Get ready, golf lovers. The boys are teed up and ready to go. Backspin. Thanks to Inside Golf. Welcome to another episode of Backspin, brought to you by Inside Golf Magazine, Australia's number one most red golfing publication. My name is Larry Canning. It always has been. Gary Bart is next to me. His name's always been Gary. Hello, guys. Yes, it is. How are you, mate? Good, thank you, mate. Great oh. show coming up. Jimmy Emmanuel, media consultant for Golf Australia and the PGA, always insightful, has his finger on the pulse in Australian professional golf, goes to every one of these WebEx series events, goes to every event around the world, actually, and he sees it all and hears it all. So we want to hear his take on how the WebEx series is going, the interest in the game it's creating with men and women playing for the same purse. We're talking also to Kazuma Kabori. This kid is special, Gary. You have to say, one of the hottest young players on the planet at the moment, wouldn't you reckon? Without a doubt. Doing what he has done, obviously very, very amazing amateur career. But then to turn pro and just have that seamless transition into winning three events on our tour... Winning three events is unheard Crazy. of. You know, he led He led another one, his first, his second event he led by three or four shots going into the final round, shot 77. So it, we all thought, oh, maybe it's, you know, it's a bit tough for him to, to make that transition, as you said, from amateur to professional because he's, you know, he's now playing for money, but then backs it up with three wins pretty well on the trot straight after that. I wonder what he's doing with all that money. Wow. He's mm. a sense. He's a good kid too, from all reports. We're looking forward to that product review, guys. I've done a proper one. I've completed my task. I often say I'm going to do something and don't, but I did it. I tried the new Callaway Paradigm AI irons. These are replacing the Paradigm irons to a degree, and in fact, these are replacing. The Rogue Irons, the Callaway Rogue Irons, which have been around for a couple of years. These irons have three different models, and I tried all three. Bit of a revelation. I love them because they really worked for me, and we'll talk about that. And I'm sure you'll have a tip which will relate to that, as you normally do. I'll, I'll think of one. Yes, we go. Yeah, keep thinking. Yeah, you, you try it. Don't, don't, get a, don't get ahead of yourself now, guys. Oh, you, you give me a few minutes to think about it, which is good. <laughs> just briefly, we've just had not only the WebEx series in Australia, but overseas, the uh, the Phoenix Waste Management Championship Tournament. A lot of arguments and a lot of criticism about the galleries, the amount of drink, the size of the galleries, that par 3, 16th hole. But a lot of good players that the likes of Billy Horschel, Jordan Spieth, conservative type guys, Zach Johnson. Justin Thomas. Justin Thomas, well, he's a bit of a... <laughs> but the other three opinions I was interested in, and they reckon it's just gone too far. It's, it's, now it's crazy. It's every hole. They're getting you know, hassled and people are yelling. Yeah, they tried to clean it up a couple of years ago, didn't they, when Joel Damon and Harry Higgs sort of ripped their shirts off yeah, and they were yeah. throwing all the cups on the green. So that hole was the hole that was highlighted, and it looked like they'd cleaned that up a little bit, but they were, they were having a lot of trouble within the stands, I think, Yeah, just with the... The patrons, mm. as they like to call them, and but now it's gone onto other holes as yeah, well. Yeah, pretty well every hole. Ben Arn, um, another very yeah. I think the culture is they're getting they're getting what six, seven, eight hundred thousand people there a week or yeah, something. Yeah. Some some they, they closed a, they closed the gates because yeah, everyone was getting so pissed. So clearly, there's a lot of people that aren't golf fans, traditional golf mm. fans. It's just any sort of sport fan. It's seen as a party week, and maybe it's time where they try and work out what to do because mm. if it gets to the stage where those established players are getting disgruntled and Jordan's on the committee on the PGA committee and well, Billy Horschel was Zach Johnson Zach Johnson's Zach, very respected Zach Zach's as, as, as respected as you could be yeah yeah uh, inside the ropes, so, all having a spit about they hate it now I don't I don't it's not an elevated event I don't believe no which means they aren't um, they don't have to play in it I'm you know they won't be pressured by the PGA tour to play 
yeah, as, as if it was a, an elevated event. So maybe these guys won't play. Maybe that'll... They'll, yeah, but they'll that, stop it, that, you know, put a put a put a wall against this, and just say, "Hang on, guys, it was fun, but now it's gone too far." We'll see what happens. Australian PGA, uh, the tinier, tinier version, obviously, the party hole. Every pro I've spoken to about that all enjoyed it because the music was just consistent. It was on the whole time. The live event, when I mean, that was a bit nuts on the uh, on the twelfth hole at Adelaide, it was the music and the noise was just constant. It didn't stop. The difference with this one is there's no music, so people just sing out in the middle of someone swinging. You can hear it, you know, above 20,000 people. You know, that's the problem. They have to address that, and then that leaks into all the other people that maybe are going for a walk around the course that have been part of this hole and are all sourced up and, you know, had too much. Well, look, I've been to that event many times. Yeah, you've told me that. And it's just the alcohol that's consumed there, the just the culture of that event, it's maybe got to the tipping point where mm, it's mm. gone too far. I think that's how usually at the end of the show spit we've just had there, guys, at the intro. That'll do. That'll do us, yeah. That'll do. So we're going to be right back after this with Jimmy Emanuel. Backspin with Larry Canning and Gary Barter. Well, Jimmy Emanuel, Gary, he's the media consultant for the Golf Australia and PGA, I he's believe. He's a great, great man. He's a terrific guy. He's great under man. money. He's um, a little bit cheeky. Yep. And here he is on the line. James, hello, hello, mate. Hello, mate. Hello, Laz and Gaz. How are we, mate? Thanks for having me back. Yeah, we debated, you know, but we decided you're inexpensive, so we, we just went with the cheaper option. We had a couple of big ones. <laughs> 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 yeah, we got the bill yet. So, Jimmy, this is the day after. We're not supposed to be in a podcast. You're not supposed to date when you record, but I'm going to say it anyway. This is the Monday after the WebEx Players Series that was just played in Sydney at Castle Hill Golf Club. I watched it, and I watched them all, but this particular one I loved. I think this was sensational. Sensational finish, and to see the birth of a new kid, new champion. Unfortunately, he doesn't come from any part of Australia. He comes from New Zealand, but we'll adopt him as we did with many others: Richard Wilkins, Russell Crowe. They'll do. Kazuma Kabata. Uh, anyway, Jim. This morning, Gary on his way to the studio listened to Two um, GB, and there were some comments made by Ray Hadley, uh, who's a big supporter of golf, and, and we really respect and appreciate what he's what he's done, particularly through COVID. He did a fantastic job for us there. He made some references to um, the the web series, which is a uh, it's a mix. Event, Larry. Yeah, no, there's, not, there's another word. Anyway, uh, dual gender. Dual gender. Yes. Yep. Event, as, yep. as we know, uh, the the WebEx series is it's a magnificent creation by Nick Darcy and Kim Felton from the Australian PGA. Created this series of events, had them all sponsored beautifully, and it's men and women playing the same golf course for the same purse. From what I've seen, it's just been a brilliant success. It's, it's got a based on the back of the Vic Open, which has been going for many years now, which didn't actually have exactly the same format. But this is another step. Ray had some comments on the format of the fact that it's men and women playing for the same purse on the same golf course. He's a great supporter of the game and we uh, always appreciate his input. Did you listen to it, James, and what were your thoughts? Yeah, I listened to Ray this morning and look, as he said, Ray's a great supporter of golf and we always appreciate his interest and he's talking about golf, which gets us in the news, yes, which is yes. never a bad thing. We always like to hear people talking about golf and he was mostly talking about struggling to understand how the format works. We've got men and women playing together for one prize money, one trophy and it's, look, it's a common thing we get asked about, and it's really developed with the WebEx Players Series. The, the first couple that happened on the back of COVID, but it was a, it was a pre-COVID idea that came to life after COVID. 
they were working out on the go very much how to get the course setups right. And you probably saw more discrepancies. You might remember the first one in Sydney that was Bonnie Doon. Mm. Steph Kiriakou went out the first day and had eight under. And everyone went, oh, well, she's going to run away. She didn't end up winning. She actually ended up playing quite poorly the second day. But that was definitely the management. I've actually caddied in these events as well as writing about them. And they've really developed and it's getting to a finer art. But, but Ray's point of other sports don't do it, I think one of the key tenets of golf is that Everyone compete with everyone. So at club level, that handicap golf. So when Ray goes and plays Castle Hill, he gets a certain number of shots so he can play with a fellow member like Daniel Gale and compete. So there's always a way in golf that we can make it competitive. It is actually quite a detailed science. They don't put the women's tee to a place just so they've got the same distance to the hole to the men or that they hit the same club. There's actually quite a detailed sort of a, a thing they go through to get the setup right. And it's getting better and better. And, and as I'm sure you two would understand, when you're selling golf to sponsors and all that sort of stuff and you go to them and say hey we've got an innovative different concept and you're getting men and women it ticks a lot of boxes in corporate Australia so look I'm more than happy to uh, continue having the conversation with people like Ray to try and you know, explain how this all goes on, but it's a great concept in my mind. A, a common friend of all three of ours, Rod Murray, is one who sings from the hymn sheet about how good it is. Laz, I know you like mm-hmm. it. Darren, I know you like it. And the women's side in Australia is getting stronger on the back of a, a WPGA tour of Australia's Q school where we've got a lot of overseas players. One of those being Malaysia's Ashley Lau, who won the Vic Open, came second at the WebEx Players Series the week before at Rosebud. She was in the field as well. And we're getting better. And Jenny Shin almost won. Now, Jenny is obviously an LPGA Tour winner. So her class is probably quite a little bit above some of the others. And it, and it showed in the results, which shows maybe the course setup was pretty good. But it's always a work in progress too. Just briefly, without going into too much detail, Jimmy, can you explain the basis of the difference in tees and how that works? It, it's more a case of how far an average LPGA player hits an iron, isn't it? Like a seven iron, let's say. It's briefly explained to me at Bonnie Dean all those years ago yeah. by Scotty, the, the official guy. So you're trying to get the tee to a point where the person... Where well, the women will hit a seven iron for their, let's say, second shot, and so will the blokes from a different tee. Their drive goes further, their seven iron goes further, so they will also be hitting a seven iron into the same grounds. So that's the basis of it, isn't it? There's a little bit more to it, and it's kind of developed a little bit as well, but you're sort of right. What you're trying to do is have the players play the hole in the same manner. So a seven iron, obviously, as you say, goes different distances. It also flights differently, as, as we all know. A man might hit a seven iron with a higher club head speed and a different more, angle of attack, and more, it'll more spin, spin the ball. Yeah. yeah, so you're trying to sort of, basically, what you're trying to do with the course setup is make it so that the scores will be equivalent and it's one score. So you are right, lads, that that is part of sort of the equation. It goes a little bit more deep than that, but you and I aren't exactly math geniuses. That's why we do podcasts instead of play golf for a living. But it's sort of based around that sort of concept. Yeah. And and I think the things that are getting right, we've had a couple of women win the event, particularly Anna Green, Sarah Jane Smith, who are LPJ stars, you know, come back and do it. But Mina Yoon won last year at Cobram, but Probably where you look is in the cuts made. So there was nine women made the cut in Sydney. It was low cut. It's only top 50 in ties. It was five under. But we had 17 make the cut at Rosebud. 
18 make the cut at Cobram, and there's a smaller field percentage for the women than there is the men. Mm. So I think the concept is on the improve, and look, it's one that's always going to have questions about it because it is foreign for other sports. It just doesn't happen. And it is an evolution of what the Vic Open is where there's two separate tournaments. So it's always an interesting one. It's always one you get a lot of questions about. But to my mind, and then you add on the weekend an all-abilities field and a junior field, it's a pretty unique one that golf has and a pretty enjoyable one because Uma Kabori certainly likes it. Yeah, well, he's had three wins. That's yeah, pretty. he's going to have a chance. Gary's excited, play. as you can tell just like, then. Like, it's pretty unbelievable. Like, when I look at his winning scores, he's like 18 under, 21 under, 24 yeah, under. Yeah. Like, that's pretty deep, isn't it? And they're proper golf courses. It's not like they're playing Royal Melbourne or Australian, but they're still proper golf courses. To shoot those numbers, like, the just to have the mental capacity, not only the, the physical capacity as well, but getting back to the, the different setups of the different courses, it, it some courses just don't have the capacity to move around tees as much as other courses. We had Russell Swanson explaining to us a few podcasts ago about the algorithm of how difficult it can be to get it right. As you said, you made a good point. Ultimately, world-class player Jenny Shin right down to the wire. So we pretty much got it right. I think Justice Bozio played well. She's a great amateur. Did you get to see much of her play? Yeah, I've seen a lot of Justice play, Gaz. I went to Thailand for the Women's Amateur Asia Pacific, not the most recent, but the one before, and watched a lot of Justice. I've seen her play amateur and pro events. I think she had 67-68 on the weekend. Seriously impressive golf game. Like, everything about it is really, really good. I think she finished in the top 15 this week in Sydney. Like, that's a fantastic effort for an amateur. So I'm really impressed with that. And what about Harrison Crowe? What do you think of his game? Yeah, again, another one I've seen a lot of. I've covered every tournament he's ever won, actually. Look, he struggled with the putter this week, this last week. He hit it so good tee to green on on Saturday. I think he missed two shots, and they were quite bad misses. And, And on Friday, Kim Felton from the tour was out watching him and texting me videos of him missing short putts and sort of saying, you know, he should be scaring 60 here. He just didn't quite have it with the putter. And on Sunday, when he was in a four-way tie for the league, Starting the round, it was the pressure got him probably of needing to make the putts and it, and it wasn't dropping and the, and the rest of the game felt the pressure. But hey, Harrison's got it's such an impressive golf game. He shapes the ball really well, Gaz. He does those things that you really love to watch. He knocks it down really well and he moves it a bit both ways. And he's one of those guys, he's a bit of a competitive beast. You watch him out there. I watched him on 18 on Saturday, bobbing his head to Taylor Swift music from the marquee before he's got a birdie putt like he's just playing the Wednesday comp at Bardwell Valley. And then just step up and roll it and then release this fist bump like he's just won the Masters. Like he switches it on and off like nobody. We're looking forward to see how he plays in Asia this year. Yeah, absolutely. There's a big contingent going over to Asia this year. There's you know a, a bunch of guys, six guys through Q School, including one of yours, Gaz, Justin Warren, who played well last week. And yeah, Brendan he's... Jones is playing over there as well. And it's always a strategy of mine, I've got to tell you. Whenever Harrison Crowe's mentioned, I've just got to mention his mum, Sean, who makes the world's best rocky road to ensure I get a delivery next time. Beautiful. <laughs> Jimmy, our domestic tour, it's yeah. pretty good now, isn't it? Like the standard of play scoring is it's definitely stepped up it's no doubt about it our players here domestically are seriously good aren't they oh absolutely i've been covering the pga tour of australasia for years now and going around like the catting out there as well and it's always been impressive and you always tried to push people to come out and watch but there was probably always a certain number that you'd say go and watch you can now go watch a random group and you'll be so impressed. Like you mentioned before, Kazumba winning at 24 under. You know, Castle Hill's always given up low scores because of just the nature of it. And it was pretty wet early in the week. So they're always going to go low. But the depth is 
so much better. The cut at Sydney was five under par. You don't remember those sort of numbers happening and it's men and women both and there's so many good players. You would have thought in years gone past a guy like Brendan Jones who still plays so good at 48, if he was to come and tee it up in a a smaller event in Sydney, he'd, he'd run away with it. But that's far from the case. And and people probably go down these lists and see names of people that they're not familiar with who are so good, such good players. Yeah, the Kiwi contingent at the moment alone, outside Kazuma, you've got Kerry Mountcastle who's won this year. You've got guys like Nick Voke who plays in Asia and plays brilliantly. You know, And it keeps going and going of, of other ones that are so impressive and it's it's so good to have a, a really strong run of, you know, 15 or so events across the summer where we get to see these players go well, out getting, and play. Get, and getting the coverage is pretty impressive yeah, too. That, yeah, yeah, that's done a lot, isn't it? Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Having these guys get used to being on TV is a, is a really good thing too. And, and playing with the pressure of having a camera behind them and doing a post-round interview and, and that sort of stuff is great. But having golf on Fox Sports every single weekend where people just get into the habit of, oh, there's Aussie golf on, mm. I'll watch that. And it rolls into the DP World Tour coverage. I mean, that's such a win for the players, the tour, but also just golfers. Jimmy, Kazuma Kabori would appear that the sky's the limit for this kid. You've seen the growth over, which it's just, it's just a really tiny since last October, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's, that's when it sort of began. I mean, there was an amateur career that was sensational leading up to that. Oh, no, he's, he's only been a pro since, since October. He turned pro in October. Yeah, but I think when, November, when, you, when you look at winning the Western Amateur, the Eisenhower Trophy, the Australian Amateur, mm. they're big, big championships. They're... You know, Nick Hardy, who I coach, Nick's at, Nick played with Kazuma uh, nine holes in a practice round at the Australian Open. And he just said to me, he said, Gary, you know, you just don't understand that golf course that he won the Western Amateur on. That's a big boys golf course. He said, you need every part of your game to be like world class. And he said, people might appreciate back here how big a tournament that is. But he said, just me knowing it, I've played in it many times, never had a lot of success in it. He said just to win that and just to have a winning culture as well and just looking at those numbers that he's shooting. And he won the New Zealand PGA as an amateur. Mm, no, 17. So right. even though we, you know, they say, you know, we've known him just recently, but obviously this has been coming from a long time back. And oh, yeah, I get, yeah. I get he can play, but, yeah. but, but converting that to playing for cash... That's a big, what used to be a big step. I mean, I, I know there's a lot more amateur golf mm. now than there used to be. When we, Well, God, when we were kids, it wasn't, was there golf? Was golf invented when we were kids? I'm not sure it was. But, you know, I, the, the transition is a lot more seamless now from amateur to pro, but it's still a jump. I mean, you've still got to, you've got to part for yeah, very, $15,000. Very, you know, yeah. you don't get that when you're playing. Very, the very few have been able to move straight through and mm. then, win professional tournaments like very very few just the great great players so you know fingers crossed we're hoping that we'll see him win a couple of majors there's a slight question mark over how far he hits it jimmy is it that much shorter than the others or is it just average or well he's still got me covered by a fair bit but he's definitely aware he doesn't hit it as far and he spoke to me yesterday about we talked about every if you talk to any player who's played with him or any player on tour they'll talk about how good he putts the ball he said to me well i've got to be a good putter because i'm giving up other areas not giving up drastic distances obviously to you know if he was to play with Josh Armstrong not only would it look like they've been Goliath it would be quite a difference in what sort of clubs they got into the green but he's so clinically good at everything else and he is just such a competitor and his sister is a pro as well Momoka she plays on the ladies European tour she played against Aaron Pike in a, a playoff for the players series at Hunter Valley a couple of years ago same thing, Momoka is the most lovely person away from the golf course. You know, you chat to her, there's always a smile, always so friendly. Steps onto the first tee and just becomes a competitive beast. And Kazuma's got that about him too. 
Kip Biddle, one of the other Kiwi players on the Aussie tour, said to me the other day, I think he must have 40 hours in the day with how much time he puts into his game. He works so hard. But that switch to professional golf, you know, it was always going to be... When he turned pro, there was a fair bit of interest because, mm. like you said, Blazzy, he'd had such a good amateur career that you get excited. But to do it so quickly, so he's now played 10 events as a pro and he's won three of them. The person, and it's at a different level, but we found this yesterday that Tiger Woods' first 10 events as a pro on his tour, he'd won three times. Yeah, okay. So yeah. the progression of where he's at, you know, and, and he's got this huge confidence. He's interestingly managed by the same group as David Michaluzzi and has followed Mika's plan of not going to tour schools, rather playing in Australia and New Zealand and hoping to get one of the DP World Tour cards out of the order merit, which is almost guaranteed. He's got this week at Cypress Lakes, the New Zealand Open and the National, so the New Zealand Open can swing things a fair bit. But you wouldn't bet against him to, to go well those three weeks and lock up a DP World Tour card by the end of the year. But I'm so impressed. Watching him play, he just has that it factor about yeah, him. Yep. Yeah, he is giving up a bit of distance. It'll be interesting to see when he goes and plays bigger golf courses and overseas tours perhaps where carry distance becomes so mm. important. With what's happening with the golf ball, he might be one of those great beneficiaries. We might get a player like him that has more yeah, success because yeah, it's levelled out a little bit. Jimmy, it's a pleasure to talk to you. It always is. And I'm sure it's a pleasure for you to talk to us. Yeah, you don't generally say it out loud, but I know you're thinking it. So, look, mate, thank you very much. We're looking forward to talking to you again and watching Kazuma's future unfold before our eyes. Thank you, Jimmy. Oh, it has been an absolute pleasure. Highlight of my day. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Thanks See for coming. Backspin with Larry Canning and Gary Barter. Well, guys, we spoke about Kazuma Kabori in the intro to the show. Kazuma just won his third, nearly in a row, Webex Series tournament, 250K for each. He's won three of them now, led uh, the one before this run started and had a bad last round and didn't get that converted. But uh, what he's done before he turned pro was extraordinary. What he's done since is just ludicrous and it's just brilliant. And we're very lucky to have Kazuma on the 13th tee in a pro-am. Where's he at, Gary? Terry Hills. Terry Hills. He's right there with us. Oh, Kazuma, thanks for being part of Backspin. Welcome to the show, and congratulations on a brilliant win yesterday. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You're creating a lot of interest, let me say, before even before you turned professional. A lot of people were looking at what you'd done. I mean, it's extraordinary the things you've won as an amateur. You've been a pro for three months, and you've lit it up. Were you expecting the transition from amateur to pro to be so successful so quickly? No, nah, honestly, probably not, no. It's been very fluid for me. Like, I've played my first tournament, got a top 10 was in contention in my second tournament and then had a few rough patches in the uh, Tier 1 events, unfortunately, but bounced back over the new year nicely, so I couldn't really ask for a better start. Was there a reason why those the, the finishes at the two big ones weren't as high as you would have liked? Was there something different about those compared to the, the other yeah, tournaments? Yeah, definitely managing my schedule a bit better. I um, played Queensland PGA, Vic PGA, yep. and I definitely went a bit hard at those. Like, obviously, you want to play good in every tournament, but some tournaments are more important than others. And then I think I practiced a bit too hard at those two tournaments, and then I was a bit, I was a bit gassed going into the, the big one. So, mate, I got to meet you with Nick Hardy. Just yep, I think you guys played that. nine holes in that practice round. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed talking to you and watching you play. And I always remember Nick, he said to me, he said, Winning the Western Amateur, he said, Gary, he said, I don't think you guys back here understand how big a tournament that is. It's like, because obviously you, you look at your, your CV and it's, 
in with the Aussie Amateur Eisenhower Trophy, but he said that's a really big boys golf course. And he said for him to win around there, he said, I'm telling you, every part of his game has to be strong. And I remember saying to Nick that, you know, obviously watching you play and all the different parts of your game, there was no weaknesses. But clearly what I find interesting as a golf coach, and I'm looking at your record here, like you won the New Zealand PGA as an amateur, like it's 21 under, 18 under, 24 under, 21 under, the tournaments you've won. Yeah. Just mentally, to be able to do that at your age and obviously have the, the soundness of mind, but also just leading tournaments, going to sleep the night before, getting up in the morning, going to the golf course, handling expectation. Those skills, is that something that's just been innate or have you always just had that capacity to be able to handle all the rigors that most don't. I know. Yeah, I know. I yeah. didn't. Larry didn't. Um, yeah. That's why we're I here. Think, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a great question. Actually, very good question. I think it ultimately comes down to self belief. Like I've always had that belief where I can, even if unrealistic, I can compete with the best in the world. Yeah. So for me, and then you have that belief, and when you actually get it done, that belief increases. It's like a snowball effect. So yeah, being able to win the PJ early on, it uh, definitely helped. It's very impressive. I, I grew up with Wayne Riley, who you, you may or may not know. He won the Australian Open, won a couple of times in Europe, but he was a kid that I grew up with playing golf. And he always said to me, he said, look, i got two arms and two legs like anyone else. And, you know, when I get on the tee, I'm just going to go and compete and play and do the best I can do. And I always remember that. It was, I always thought, if you if you draw it back to it, a lot of people manifest things in their mind. What could happen? What might happen? Yeah. And clearly, and you've come through a background of not being a bomber either. You imagine all these kids that you've been playing with, all those kids from the US, local kids that are hitting at a million miles, and you're coming into a game in 2024 with, it's not an overpower game. Obviously, you, yeah. you hit it far enough. It's like Jeff Guan, who I work with. But clearly that that hasn't held you back. Everyone talks about oh you have to hit it, you have to have one seventy five, one eighty five ball speed nowadays to yeah. compete. Clearly you're proving that's not the case. No, I don't think so. Like I think it helps. Uh, I think it's a tool, not a rule. I I think there are very much more important things than the ability to drive a golf ball hit irons, have great short game yep. and good putting. If that were the case then the same guy would win. Weekend, yeah, week out, yeah, but yeah. that's not the case. Absolutely. So. And as far as your coaching background, who's who's really helped you? Have you had one guy? Have you had your dad? Have you had a coach in New Zealand? Has it been somebody that's been there with you the most of the time? I get coaching from my dad and also with Jay Carter from the Golf New Zealand National Program. He's obviously doing a great job. Yeah, he's pretty good, yeah. And does he get to travel and see you play that much? Caddies for me sometimes, but not too much. Like I'm a golf coach, but it is important at the end of the day, the player at the end is the person that he runs his business and you've got to be aware of your own game and have your own ability to handle make your own choices too you've got to make some choices you you don't want to rely on like I'm a coach you you don't want to rely on a coach you know you don't I think if you're a great coach your your player can really handle a lot of the year sure we we've got to have surveillance on what's going on but you really want to be able to handle your own business don't you as well yeah for sure I'm going to go ahead and tee shot real quick I'll be right back with you okay just for the listeners we've actually got Kazuma on the Terry Hills playing the Pro-Am yeah oh Terry Hills playing the Pro-Am yep Oh, you're yeah. playing for money. So how good is he giving us a call? You're playing for money. Oh, sorry. Shh. We might hear the we might hear the noise in the background here, listeners. It'll be it's the sound that I'm not familiar with because it, it'll be like something coming out of the middle of the face. There it is. The only time you get that sound is when you swat a fly. I had a bit of wind the other day. I, I ate some Indian, and that's how it sounded, just like that. <laughs> okay. All right, I'm back, team. 
Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so I just commentated through that. Did a little, yeah, mate. Um, looks like you've headed for uh, for Europe next year. Is that the way you said? Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, I'm going to try and play um, UDP World Tour events through sponsors and invites, and um, hopefully play well in those and work my way through. The order of merit is that a lockdown? Uh, not a lockdown. Yeah, we've still got Injured Open, which is a four times multiplier event. So need to play well in that. And how does that course set up for you? Yeah, nicely. I played last year. I was in good shape for. I think midway through the third, I think I was like maybe two back. So yeah, hopefully finish that off. And what's your preparation like just early in the week of any tournament? What do you normally do? What's your routine? Depends if I have program duties or not, but I would generally practice the Monday, but a short round practice, play nine holes on the Tuesday, and then play nine holes of program or 18 holes of program on the Wednesday. On the course, you're just sort of just doing your normal surveillance, mapping out the course, looking the best way yep. to play it. For sure. Like, I, I, got a, I got a system where generally I just need to get rid of uncertainty, so I need to know where to hit off the tee and what's around the green, because obviously when you're hitting your iron shot in from 120 metres, you can't really go up there and have a look, so got to get all that information before you are actually put for The boys tell me that you practice a lot too. They reckon you really work hard out there. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you don't wear yourself out? Uh, weeks like this, no, no, absolutely not. Like, I try and do as little as possible because it's easy for me to work hard. Yeah. It's harder for me to work less. So when I'm at home, I work my ass off. Like, I'll definitely be over a thousand shots a day. Wow. Um, like in terms of like driving, chipping, pitching and putting, you combine all those. I'm definitely it, over thousand, but do you have that culture of fitness, strength and conditioning? Are you are you doing a lot of that, a little bit of that, stretching? Is there anything? Yeah, we're working on that, yeah, as okay. well. Okay, um, then managing that through not losing your feels for playing too. That's right, yeah. That's uh, an old hit on young shoulders, as they say, that classic old cliche, isn't it, Gary? Mm. Well, Kazuma, thank you so much for being part of the show, mate, and, and thanks for what hole are you on now? I'm just walking up to my second shot. I've actually hit it down the guard. Oh, oh, that's, a, that's yeah. surprising. Yeah, I wouldn't mm. have thought that. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Kazuma. Thank thanks, you very mate. much. We're, we're hey, watching thanks. your career with great interest. All of Australia, all of, all of us, old golf pros, yeah. are very keen to see you succeed. Thank you, mate. Thanks, mate. Okay, bye. Guys, I tried the new Paradigm AI smoke irons. There's three models. As you know, and I think everyone that ever listened to the show knows I'm, I'm struggling a bit with my game to the point where I may not get a start in the Masters. I, I'm not crossing it off completely. You're still hoping. But I suspect the invitations go out before now, don't they? I think you'll be disappointed. I just don't have the length uh, to get Randall yeah. Guster anymore. I just think you'd be disappointed. I've been trying to get the golf ball to fly up. <laughs> yeah. Trying to do that for a few years now. You would be aware more than anyone how the equipment changes over the last, let's say, 20 years. They've created a golf ball and a golf club that just propels the thing forward at great speed. Mm. We're talking irons, woods, everything, hybrids, the lot. With my irons, I need to get them to travel higher off the face. The new equipment these days, it has jacked up lofts, which means that, you know, your five iron in our day was 28 degrees. It's now like 20, 21 in times, you know, so it's two clubs stronger. I understand the principle, lower centre of gravity, moment of inertia, move back away from the face, that makes the ball go up so the lofts have to be adjusted so a 5-1 goes like a 5-1 because of my 
personal swing characteristics, I can't get that five iron to travel even like a three iron. I mean, it'll go out like a three iron, but fall out of the air. Yeah, it won't stop. Softer shafts, you have tried that. It still doesn't work. It's the launch angle. I need it to launch higher. Yeah. And I love irons. You know, I'm not a massive fan of hybrids, and we've discussed this. And I don't know whether you're the, the, the same, but I'd pr- much prefer to hit a four iron than a four hybrid every day. But I just need to get it up. So I was very interested in the new AI Smoke irons because one of the models is called the Paradigm AI Smoke HL, high launch iron. Got my interest. So I started doing a little bit of research before I tried it. The lofts are actually going the other way. They're softening the lofts. The 5 iron is 24 degrees. That's only one club stronger than my old set 20 years ago. It has a lower centre of gravity. Again, it's got all the same features of a cavity back golf club. A little bit more offset than I love, but it didn't, you know, I can get past that. But the first shot I hit, I hit it with the 7 iron, which is 30 degrees. It just went up. It was gold. It was fantastic. The, the club yeah, had so a stiff it's shaft. It's it was, you. Oh, it just worked beautifully for me. I didn't have to. I, I think maybe you could explain this better, but a lot of players like us back in the whenevers, we built our game on a rubber golf ball, a wooden head, and irons that were like, you know, four to four, eight degrees even. During COVID, I bought a set of Jack Nicholas Mulefield blades that were probably circa 982. Yeah, okay. And I was really excited. I got them delivered from the States, and I looked at the set, and the five iron, just looking down on it, looked like a current seven iron. Mm, mm. It was just amazing Have how- you hit it? Yeah, it goes great, but like 20 yards shorter. yeah. That's the ball, right? Well, obviously, loft there as well. A little bit of age. Uh, a lot of age. <laughs> but a lot ball, of age. So the ball doesn't but, spin, mate, does it? I mean, no, it, it well, spins with a wedge, but it doesn't spin yeah, well, with a seven iron. It's like hitting a block of ice now. Isn't it? Yeah, it's it's just, it's so different. The game's so different. But I do experience that with the members, how, as you said, the lofts have got stronger and stronger. Mm. And I, I look at seven irons now. They look like four irons almost, and and the players don't have the speed to get that beautiful combination of launch and spin. And then when they hit it, and they hit a, a nice one, it hits the front of the green and bounces twenty mm, yards. Mm. So they're not they're not functional. Hybrids have gone nuts because of this, right? It's all hybrid now, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah like, hybrids are nice, but they're just small and they're they're too spinny for me. They they usually graphite shafts, so they'll they can they'll have a low kick point in the shaft or a you know, a, a high torque shaft and a steel shaft, so they'll side spin as well. Yeah, and you get a toe hit and it really oh, it's mag- magnifies the mistake. Yeah, I, I, you're obviously just, you like irons and you're at that stage, and obviously that why these work so well for you. These were brilliant, yeah. I tried the, the AI Smoke without the HL on it, a beautiful golf club. They're cast, they're not forged, so you, there's a slight difference in sound. The sound I hate the most is someone saying, so that makes me two up again, Larry. You know, I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather have a clunky wine and, and have the, me saying, oh, I think I'm one up now, guys. Yeah, well, maybe you've found your set. There is a, the third model. is the Paradigm AI Smoke Fast Irons, Gary, there. I don't think I need that fast. You know, I, just, I can sort of hit it far enough. If I can just get the thing in the air, it'll fly far enough. Further than a set of any blades, really, any, any of the modern blades. But with the fast one, I don't, I'd, I'd, I'd feel like I, and I tried it, and I, and I kind of got, don't know whether I got a fly the first one, but I sort of, I sort of panicked. You know what I'm like? If the mm. ball goes too far, I hate that sensation. So I could get used to the high launch distance they were traveling. It was beautiful. The, the club I was using happened to be the right length for me as well, which helps. And if you're ever getting fitted, listeners, please make sure you check on the length of your irons because you'd be stunned how it varies. I'm always looking for a club that can be lengthened without it getting too heavy. And, and I can do that with this. Uh, I'm six foot four. But it's, a, it's important when you get fitted. That's always fascinating me. Someone will get a fit mm. on that day. And it's how they swing on that day. Yes, Just yes, that one yes. Tuesday morning at whatever time they get fitted and get a new set of clubs that they keep for a couple of years. 
years probably. We've had and a couple at our course that come back a second time because the, yeah, our teaching fitting pro isn't quite sure whether he's nailed it. So you'll just get him to come yeah, back. Well, he's, ten he's pro- yeah, he's good. Obviously, he's, he's pretty conscientious to, yeah. to think like that. But it, it is interesting right. how I'll look at somebody, and because I'm a golf teacher, and I appreciate equipment as much as anybody, and I appreciate the value of it and appreciate the impact it has on someone's game. But if someone's not launching it, and I see they've got a five-knuckle grip mm. and their club face is closed yep, and that's yep. two low ball flight characteristics and then they move in front of it on the way down, I'm thinking to myself, look, we could try any club that's made in the world <laughs> and you're not going to get the most juice out of the lemon. So I'm more likely to at least talk about that and talk mm-hmm. about the, the impact of that. Then I'm happy to look at the clubs mm. after that. Most times, if people don't have any outrageous complications in their swing or their move, you can get a good club fit in the club, as you found out, works well. That's your tip for the for the show, Gary. Well, it's pretty important. I love the technology. I love all the clubs. But as a golf instructor, sometimes it, it's a lot to do with the Indian, not the arrow. The arrows help. There's no about it, but make sure you look at everything. That's my tip. Have you ever done the bow and arrow thing? Have you ever done that? Archery? You ever tried it? I have tried it. What's it, tried what was it like? Yeah, not bad. You, it's like putting. You've got to be pretty calm. Yeah, okay. Like, so I'm, I'd be excellent. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd kill, uh, I'd, I'd be mass murderer. Where did you do that? In Sydney? Or? I did that at Walgan Valley. Okay. Mm. Just wonder where that might be, that place. It's up near the Blue Mountains somewhere. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah, it's nice. Corporate day? It wasn't. It was a, just a family holiday. It was oh, nice. so you taught your kids how to kill people. Like, we didn't go, <laughs> we, 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 we didn't go, we, we didn't go up there specifically to, you know, archery, but yeah, it was one of those things you do up there. We'll be right back after this. <laughs> Thanks to Inside Golf. This is Backspin. Thanks, guys, for coming in again. Pleasure. I, I enjoyed it. I had a great show. Kazuma, wow. Yeah, it was great listening to him just to hear the insights into his game. Like, we all see his results and we see winning those big championships, winning three times, but to get some inside info on how he goes about his business, how he prepares, what his mindset is, but very, very humble. Oh, yeah. Very humble. Yeah, nice kid. And Look, his sister is exactly the same from all reports, just a really, really nice kid. Absolutely. So clearly all the, what they would say, ticking all the boxes, looking forward to following his career. And the better he gets, I'm sure we won't be able to make a phone call while he's <laughs> yeah, in, the third, in the middle of the program. Augusta. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'll be, we'll get him on, but we'll have to talk to like three managers and yeah, it'll be one o'clock in the morning. Yeah, so we've got lucky. We did, mate. Yeah, we got in early. Thanks again for coming down. Andrew, thanks for a wonderful job of editing that you're about to do and we'll see you all again next show.